Daily DVR Does Better Call Saul is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com, baby. Yeah! Go over to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today and use code DVR20 at any time to get 20% off your order. No minimum. Also, wanted to tell you about a couple things that are coming up. You can pre-order The Child from The Mandalorian. You can get a tie clip cufflinks pins it's so amazing also mardi gras february 25th they got great products over at cufflinks.com for you to wear to celebrate i love new orleans love it i'm a big jazz fan a lot of stuff happening just the nba all-star game just passed and if you go to cufflinks.com you can get stuff for any nba team nfl NCAA, Major League Baseball. It's all there as well as the geeky stuff. Go check out cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Support our presenting sponsor and save baby get awesome products as well. Cufflinks.com. You can get paid for your love. Welcome to Daily DVR Does Better Call Saul. My name is Axel, and my co-host on this amazing journey is Ashea. I'm, you know what? I'm going to say hello right up off the bat there. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I'm quite excited for the new season of Better Call Saul. Yeah, I know. This is great, and I'm really excited to be doing this podcast. Today, we're just going to do an introduction uh, to ourselves, our experience with Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and also a little bit of a preview where we left off in season four. And we'll be here each and every week covering the show. We're going to try to get the episodes out Tuesday, Wednesday, um, and we'll go from there. I think we're they're airing on Mondays now. So um, that was Monday last year, too, I think. I think it was Monday, too. I think I'm mistakenly in my little intro cast. I may have said Sunday, but it is Monday. They um, just keep switching the days year after year. Yeah, AMC, I guess, unless you're Walking Dead, they just kind of throw it around. Um, you can find out more about us at dvrpodcast.com. You can consider becoming a patron at patreon.com slash DVR. And you can also email us, give us some feedback this season at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And you can check out Ashea at historyofwesteros.com. Of course, many people know her from that amazing podcast. And also there's a Patreon, history of patreon.com, history of Westeros. And her Twitter is at Marinese Knot, M-E-E-R-E-E-N-E-S-E. K-N-O-T. I didn't didn't quite get the memo that Twitter (laughs) handles are meant to be short when I created it. Yeah, I know, right? Like mine is, mine's just my name, W. Axel Foley. I didn't even, I wasn't even like clever about it or anything. Um, Also, oh, if you have an opportunity, give us an iTunes review. It does help us out. Um, You know, we're coming to the game later, but... We're still going to be here with you, and we like to get the word out to other people that are interested in hearing us chat about this amazing show. So it does help to give a review or share, subscribe, all that kind of stuff um, as we make our journey through the – I guess now you do a podcast. It's like Game of Thrones. There's like 300 podcasts for everything but um you know you'll 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 still have us and you can listen to others too i'm a fan of listening to many different podcasts um but i guess let's just get into it um 
let's talk a little bit about kind of our backgrounds with Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, what's kind of your story of your entry into this universe? I think I started Breaking Bad around halfway through its run. Um, I loved it the whole way through. Interestingly, my first watch through, I was one of the people frustrated with Skylar. And it wasn't until I watched it again with more perspective that I realized what a fool I had been. That's interesting. <laughs> um, and so I, I kind of feel guilty that I was judging this uh, person who just didn't want her husband to to make meth. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's, you know, we did a bit of podcasting on the final season of Breaking Bad, and I came to it. I watched the first season. And for some reason, I didn't go back to it. I guess it was just, I don't know, you know, it was at the same time of a lot of these kind of strong male anti-hero shows. And I, it was just kind of a downer to me. And I just didn't go back to it. And then I think it was season three or four, maybe when it popped up either on Netflix or um, I don't know if I got it at a video store, if you remember those. Yeah. And I kind of sped through the other seasons. I remember I was sitting at work and I was editing, I do video editing. I was sitting there and it was just stuff that I didn't have to really pay attention to. And I was watching it and just getting so engrossed. And then the season came and I watched the rest of it live as it happened. Um but yeah, that was th something for me that we used to get into arguments with uh, Donald, who we podcasted with, where he was always anti Skyler, And I was always like, your husband gets cancer and then he starts making meth and you're happy about it? Like, <laughs> you know, like you're not going to be happy about it. No, no, you aren't. And I mean, Skyler, you know, she dips her toe into Breaking Bad, as it were, but she doesn't ever get any enjoyment out of it, it you know, or much out of it, I suppose. And so you just feel bad about the whole situation, I feel like. Whereas in Better Call Saul with Kim... It's not as clear cut of a conflict. Jimmy isn't as of yet doing these awful, awful things. And when you see Kim sort of, you know, do some questionable things, she does seem to have a little fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big difference. And it's interesting when you talk about Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, the kind of impetus for why people change is for me in Breaking Bad, one of the reasons why I was able to attach myself more to Better Call Saul is because I felt like Jimmy's journey to Breaking Bad, which we knew was going to happen, obviously, because it's a prequel, was so internal and had so much more right from the start. Whereas in Breaking Bad, like you're describing where you kind of come to it, you come to the realization a little bit later about Skyler, which I think a lot of people did. I don't think you're. Yeah, alone with I that. don't. I don't. I don't know why though. I yeah, don't. Because I think know it was like why. external. You know, like so much about Breaking Bad was the was his character and this ominous feeling, and you know, and Jesse's addiction, and I think that that impetus also of the cancer where he's doing this all because, you know, I'm going to die and I have to do for my family. And then we later find out he was screwed over, but that wasn't from the very beginning. 
you know? Whereas mm-hmm. in Better Call Saul, we get that um, relationship of Jimmy and Chuck right off the bat that kind of grounds us in the emotions and then the character kind of grows out of it. So I, that's why I cut, when I think about the two shows, I often think that Better Call Saul comes from within outward, whereas Breaking Bad had like a harder shell that you had to crack to get down mm-hmm. into the feelings and the emotions. I think that's a fantastic take on it. And I'll start off right here by saying I am definitively a bigger fan of Better Call Saul than I am of Breaking Bad. I think that's for a number of reasons. I think one thing that does affect it is what you were just talking about. But also, they've just gotten better as filmmakers. You would expect that they have. They've learned certain things. So that affects things. But I think most importantly... They just have the whole Breaking Bad universe to build off of. So it kind of isn't compare. It isn't fair to compare them. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and the point about them just getting better, like when people talk about it and they say, which one do you like better or which is a better show? I think Better Call Saul is production wise act just all around it. It's a better show simply because they're, they are so professional at this point. This is the same crew that's been working together now for what, like 15 years or something. And you're just apt to get better. And also you're apt to have more confidence. And when you come up with something like in rewatching when Eduardo Salamanca is following Mike and there's this whole scene where Mike pulls into a parking lot and waits for a guy to pull out just so he can really quickly move. And then like, and then he sticks the gum wrapper in. And this is all really silent, a little music to have the confidence to do that. It took them a little bit of time on Breaking Bad to really gain that confidence. But now they have it right off the bat. And I feel that way maybe about the where the emotions come from, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you're talking about the film work and the production, I mean, they think of so many things that, you know, are involved in that. One thing that I learned recently, actually, is that um, even from the film stock, even from how they filmed the two shows, they... um, made a difference to that they made a decision to have better call Saul filmed in 4k to kind of give it this certain larger than life, uh, imagery as opposed to uh, breaking bad, which was on, um, you know, more of a regular grainy film stock. Yeah. I think that those kind of choices are inherent throughout the production and they're just real professionals. When I watch this show, um, And it's more apparent here than it was in Breaking Bad, but it was coming in the later seasons of Breaking Bad. It just reminds me of being a kid. And I grew up, I I was in the, I was making movies and editing and stuff for like 15, 20 years. And I've been doing it since I was like 10. And it really reminds me just like of a group of people who got lucky enough to kind of get like corporate sponsorship for their film club. (laughs) They just kind of go out in the desert and they make it. And when you listen to the better call Saul insider, uh, which is a great podcast, I hope everyone listens to that. You can hear that. They're just like, Oh, I'm working on this. And Hey, yeah, come on. Like they forget that they're even doing a podcast (laughs) because they're just friends. And I feel like when they make this show, 
it's almost like they forget that they're really making a huge TV show. It's just like their vision that they want to kind of have fun and make something. Um, and I mean, it definitely, the emotional level is definitely not always fun, but the spirit and that kind of artistic energy is always there. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you want? Let's see. Let's, let's talk a little bit about, um, kind of where we left off last season, because having just kind of rewatched last season, more specifically, like the last four episodes, it was a good reminder. And I was kind of surprised too, because some of the more intricate, like when you were mentioning Kim and Jimmy, and let's kind of start off with them because they're our main focus here. We end season four with Jimmy getting his license back after giving what seemed to everyone in the room, including Kim, to be this really heartfelt speech. You remember he was originally going to read a letter that Chuck had written for him. And instead he puts it down and he goes into this whole thing and Kim is crying. But then when they walk out, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to get it. And she's like, oh, Jimmy. And he's like, those suckers. And her <laughs> face immediately changes. Um. And then the woman comes down the hall. She said, he says, yeah, I know. Let's feel, I know I got it. And she's like, yup, which was such a question before, but now he knows he tricked him. And as Kim and him are kind of parting, he says uh, to the woman, oh, I need a name change too. And then Kim says, what do you mean? He says, Saul good. Saul good. <laughs> so we're going into him becoming Saul Goodman. What were your what was your reaction to kind of Kim's journey really beginning with um the whole cell phone thing and when Huel got arrested where she kind of starts to break bad? Yeah, I mean, I was I, I was excited about it, to be honest. I mean, when you watch TV and movies, you do like to see characters do some bad things. You want them to be good oftentimes, but it's fun to see her pull scams, basically. And it was for a not bad cause. It wasn't definitively bad. It wasn't really that good, but it was more neutral. I felt like Huel isn't the worst guy but he's not a good guy i like huel though is the thing i like huel babino and i want huel to be out of pr of jail out of prison and around jimmy so i was extra i think rooting for this but then of course there's just the punch in the gut of her discovering that jimmy is is uh really going down a darker path mm -hmm. that he clearly is thinking about money to be honest that he just wants success he's been kicked while he's down so many times and so he wants to be on top and i, I yeah i don't i just don't think jimmy has enough appreciation for the fact that he has a happy loving relationship you know, I, he just wants more than that. Yeah. Yeah. And that really, there's a part in, and I actually went as far as to uh, look up the script and it's this speech that he gives 
um, in that same episode, he is sitting at a board meeting for Chuck's scholarship fund. Um, and he and all like the big wigs of the area are there. Um, and Howard is sitting up at the front, which by the way, let's just interject real quick. Cause we're probably not going to talk too much about, you think we're going to see Howard this season or is that? Oh yeah. Of- I think we will see Howard for sure. I, I think hope so. Yeah. I think he's a, a part, a big part of the cast. Um, yeah, it's hard. I guess when you bring it up, there's certain ways where he won't. I could see him not being integrated. But if Saul is is, if, I still want to call him Jimmy. So I'm going to even <laughs> if he's going by Saul, I don't care. If Jimmy is practicing law, I have to think that Howard's gonna have a reaction to all of this. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I love Howard. I, yeah, that's uh, the thing is, I hated Howard when he first started, and then I I just liked him more and more as time went on. Really, and that scene, that scene where he's sneaking around, <laughs> uh, it's just one of the funniest scenes in the whole show to me. I have to say, uh, in this past season, yeah, that guy is. That's the kind of casting where I just really feel like if I met that dude, he would be just like that. Like, you know what I, mean? like I don't know how far the, uh, the fruit falls from the tree there. Cause he really, that's just like perfect, uh, man, he just embodied, and there's so much depth in him too. That's why I enjoy that character. The way that he throughout the show had to work between Chuck and Jimmy and his loyalties and his heart. And it's really, really, I mean, just like so many of the smaller characters on this show, kind of, it gets to a point where you're like, wow, they, I'd never expected, like you're saying, to form an attachment to this person. But you really do. Um, oh, but what was I, I mean, saying? Yeah, I felt oh. I felt bad for Howard too, obviously, because yeah. he feels such guilt over yeah. Chuck. Um, but no, you were uh, you were talking about um, the girl who did not yes. get Chuck's scholarship, right? So the Esposito girl. So then, I think this is really where um, Jimmy. I mean, it's kind of a speech that encapsulates his entire character, where he's just kind of follows her out and he says, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. And then he goes and I'll do a little bit. They dangle this, these things in front of you. They tell you, you got a chance, but it's a lie. They already made up their mind. Right. And he just keeps on going. Like they'll smile at you. They're never, ever going to let you in. And then the way he ends it is going back to the beginning when he sings the winner takes it all with Chuck. Um, And he says that the winner takes it all. I got and and uh just screw them. You're never going to matter to anyone. And this is so heartbreaking that exactly what you're talking about here we've seen Kim this whole season being kind of torn by Mesa Verde, the car accident, overworking, trying to help Jimmy, just trying her best to I don't know, please maybe everybody but herself. Yeah. Um, and Jimmy doesn't see any of that, right? He's completely self-possessed. And at this opportunity he has here to kind of make that change or realize that this isn't the way to go, he just digs down deeper. And it's that, that was what really got me is up until that point, 
I think he was kind of with Kim on, okay, they could just do these little scams, you know, we knew from the cell phones that he was going to be able to get in touch with all the drug dealers. You know, that, that intro was being made. And I think mm-hmm. we're going to see that expand this season. That's kind of his entryway into it, which is the impetus of the cop coming there. Um, mm-hmm. But the fact that Kim was willing to do these little scams, but that she had like – she can see the world in like gradients, right? Like she can see kind of like the gray scale where for Jimmy, it's like black and white. You're a good guy. You're a bad guy. And once you're a bad guy, the good guys see you that way and you're never coming back from it. Mm -hmm. And that's really very depressing. Yeah. It is. I mean, especially because, I mean, obviously, speaking of black and white, we see where Jimmy ends up. He ends up as Gene in a black and white uh, <laughs> world, basically. Uh, and, yeah, we just we know that he's not going to end up as I mean, as he puts it in that speech you were quoting, he, he says uh, they're on the 35th floor. You're going to be on the 50th floor. And he he does not end up on the fiftieth floor no, at all. No, I mean, and that's for the best. I mean, perhaps I don't know. I his life there, maybe Gene perhaps isn't the best, but his life before he was he was looking over his shoulders. He could have died at any moment, despite him feeling powerful. Yeah, it's crazy to think of that, um, and then to flash forward to Breaking Bad and how deep he gets into all of this. And I guess the final question with Jimmy and Kim is, and I think really, I guess the overall mystery, because it's a prequel, we know where everybody, we know what happens to Mike, Gus, Yule, like we pretty much know what happens to everybody. There's, um, I, I can think of three major characters who we don't know what happens to them. One of whom I'm not very worried about. One of whom is Howard. Not worried about yeah. him. The other two are Kim and Nacho for me. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly uh, what I was going to say. With Kim, I fear for her life. Yeah, I fear, I fear for her life. But I also feel like they could have had a very legitimate break where they were not interacting. In addition sure. to the fact that we just didn't see Saul's like Saul's life in Better Call in Breaking Bad, so we don't know if they ever had any interaction. But the fact that he's you know in Omaha and Kim has that connection to there makes me wonder if either she's dead uh, and he just wants to have like have that close feeling or whether she went back there or what the connection is why he went there basically but there is a clear connection that i think is deliberate between um kim omaha and gene mm, that's interesting because i oh man you're giving me hope <laughs> I, I just fear i mean because of breaking bad um, and better call Saul besides what happened to Chuck, which was really more psychological and emotional than it was a Breaking Bad style hit or something, you know. Um, but we have seen it with the end with what happens with Mike and the Germans and how he kind of breaks bad at the end of the season, his defining mm-hmm. moment there. But I just really worry that 
the in order for him to truly become Saul and really leave all of that behind and go so deep that the break with Kim has to be something where he is at fault. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean that still gives us hope that she can she can be alive. She That's moved. That's true. She, I mean, I could see her having to move because someone had it out for her after that, mm. or she didn't feel safe there. And yeah, I can see some pretty permanent breaks. But I did look up just now, by the way, um, the other connections that she has to Omaha. Okay. One was the thing I was uh, referencing, which is the shirt. She had a Kansas City Royal shirt. Um and then there's also that she is from somewhere on the Kansas-Nebraska border, which is that would put her within 100 miles of Omaha. She also sh- said she thought she'd end up as a cashier at the Hinky Dinky grocery store in her hometown. And Hinky Dinky was a grocery store chain um, started in Omaha. so you know i i feel like with her dad like there's plenty of reasons that he would choose to to go there just uh as he's thinking about her i guess but also i don't know why you would go somewhere to make you think about your dead ex-girlfriend all the time i well maybe she's gonna walk into the cinnabon yeah exactly so that's why i hope she is alive um i have some more hope for that and yeah the idea of her walking into that cinnabon or him being all freaked out by something and it's just her coming to see him because yeah i don't know it'd be interesting we didn't i think the last time we saw gene if i remember correctly is when he passed out and then yeah. woke up in the hospital and he kind of got out of the hospital without showing because he didn't want to show his ID and everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's the last we saw of him, isn't it? Yeah, I believe that was the last uh, Gene, Gene flash forward. So I wonder if we're going to start this season. That's something to think about. I've always kind of suspected or hoped that with two seasons left – they have said that six is going to be the final season Yeah, that they spend. It would be fun if they spend like the last, you know, maybe three, four episodes in that time period. Like it becomes color. Maybe she walks in and it turns into color because I would love that. Wouldn't that that be be cool? That would be so lovely. Take a little break to remind you of our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. This season of Better Call Saul on Daily DVR is presented by them, our awesome presenting sponsor for over a year now. As I said in the intro, they've got some great stuff coming out. Go and pre-order some of those The Child products. And you know, anytime you have an event coming up, head over to the blog at Cufflinks.com, reach out to them. They will help you out. They're there to help you. And if you regularly check the site, they've always got sales going on. That's why I say just go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Check out the awesome sales. You can use our code DVR20, or you can use one of the codes that you'll find on the homepage. They've got it all. Look good when you step out in the morning. Elevate your style. You have a personal style. Make it, baby. Cufflinks.com today. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. 
and Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. I did pick up this quote because I was kind of looking up, doing a little research about the gene scenes. And on the podcast, um, Gilligan and Gould had a little conversation where someone wrote in, and, and uh, this is Gilligan saying, Bob brings up an interesting question. Do we even know in our Omaha sequences, our gene sequences, has Walter White died yet? Gould mm-hmm. says, we haven't defined that. We haven't said how long Gene has been in Omaha. Gilligan says, it's a good question. Like you said, we don't know yet. It's a good question. Has it happened? Has it not? As you say, Peter, we have not defined it yet. That sounds like I, a- <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know that. I did not know that. So that's interesting because with El Camino- yeah. Um, there's the opportunity there to kind of even somehow weave that a little bit into what was happening right before, because he mm-hmm. does get there a bit before. But I don't know. It seemed like he, it se- to me, it always seemed like the routine had been so set, but there is a time jump in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Where, hmm. remember where, like, before that second pod, when Walter goes away and he's there for, like, a year or more or something? Mm. So, it's a possibility. But, yeah. But, you know, it could even – but I, I, I just – I don't see any value Yeah, that's what me. I was just going to say yeah. is that I don't, I, I don't see why it matters. No, yeah. I think it's interesting that they brought that up, but – yeah, I, I don't see significance other than again you bringing up any something to do with Jesse. Yeah, That's and even that, thing. you know, like I mean, there's a connection there, of course, but the real emotional pull for me is that um, there would be something with Kim in that yeah. in those sequences. You know, I mean, it's kind of fun fan servicey, and they do fan service very well. But um, it's kind of fun to think of that. But it's it's more interesting to me that those sequences, if we do see any of them this season, somehow link more to Kim and their future than anything having to do with Walter White or Breaking Bad. Yeah, I don't think we'll see Kim in a flash forward if she is in a flash forward until season six, though, for me. Yeah, I would like that, too. Because there's a lot more to do. I mean, I think this season is a lot of him becoming Saul, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's interesting to me. Now, I don't know. I think we talked about this before. Maybe I should have said it up front. But we don't really – I have not really watched a lot of trailers, done a lot of research about this season. Because my preparation is looking back at the material we already got. Um, I don't really, I'm going to try to remain, and I will remain spoiler free going into it. You're the same, right? 
Yeah, I'm the same, except that I have seen some headlines. It's hard to avoid about, yeah. you know, so-and-so is guesting, uh, you yes. know, it's going to pop up. But I didn't click to see, and I doubt they even know. I, I'm sure that it'll be very minor, because that's, again, when you were talking about fan service and all that. They don't shove someone in there. They show up organically or as not a major thing, I suppose. Yes, which is the right way to do it. You know, yeah, I mean, because it pays like, respect I mean, to Gus, the for example, you could say that's fan service, but it is absolutely not in no. any way because he's essential to the story, yeah. but it is servicing the fans because he's a huge, huge uh, fan favorite. Definitely. Uh, well, cer- certainly one of my favorites, which is, again, when you talk about characters that are bad or, you know, doing terrible things, he's truly terrible, but he <laughs> he, he gives off such a logical oh, and I not not it's not cruel to most people yeah cruel to people i mean he can be cruel but in general he's a, a businessman i would, and so he's I, more likable than a madman definitely <laughs> i mean i would love to have a conversation with him i enjoy very analytical people yeah he's just smart yeah. he's just quite intelligent yeah. yes well let's talk a little bit about um gus and mike you know last season mainly Both Mike and Gus's storyline was centered around bringing the Germans in and building the eventual meth lab that great episodes like The Fly and whatnot will take place in that's underneath the laundromat. By the way, you mentioned The Fly. That's my all-time favorite better Breaking Bad episode. (laughs) That was amazing. That was amazing. And I mean, it's just like them to make the bottle episode, which is traditionally like, we don't have a lot of money. Let's just keep it in one location episode into like the best episode of the series yeah you know Uh, but yeah so we see all that stuff with mike and the germans and we finally see gail yeah that was great (laughs) a little nod he comes in at the end because and that's kind of my question and and what i'm looking forward to seeing is mike had to take out ziegler which was heartbreaking um, again, just a beautiful cinematography on that, even to the point at which when they pull back and he fires the gun, there's a slight delay in the sound hitting mm. us from far away. I mean, everything they do production wise is so spot on and that's really a turn. And it really, to me, when I was watching it too, I realized how much it mimics when Walter eventually takes out Mike. Mm. even down to like they have a shot of the gun by the side and then he walks ahead of him you know it's just kind of this like you know old like i don't know one's like old west or kind of samurai thing where you know that it's your time Um, yeah but that was gosh that was just heartbreaking but it leaves them in a state where he gus brings in gail and that, and then he says hello to Mike when he's climbing up the ladder. Mike gives Gus a little nod, and that's the end. That's we. That's the last we see of them. So now they're in this situation where Eduardo Salamanca found out about what was going on because he was able to trick Ziegler into talking to him on the phone when he got the information from where he picked up the money from his wife. Um. Just and, to be clear, because um, I don't remember this offhand, uh, Eduardo didn't get the location, though, correct? 
Just that he is doing it? No, he did because he did. yeah, because he saw he spied Nacho was forced to tell him, you know, because he has to go along with everything, even though Nacho's the one who took out Salamanca with Gus, right? <laughs> I, by the way, I love Nacho. Uh, I love Nacho. He's one of my too. favorites. Oh, and I hope so for good. more Nacho this season. Um, yeah. Because really the the last kind of thing we get from Nacho is you know, we we jump forward a little bit where they have that amazing montage scene, the split screen with Jimmy and Kim. And we see Nacho and he's now kind of taken over. He's got a big house, money. There's He's got women in the house, but he's just looking at the passport for him and his father mm-hmm. and, and wishing that he had just kind of run away from it all. But he's forced to show Salamanca after they meet Gus at um, the restaurant, El Pollo Loco. I can never pronounce that correctly. <laughs> po- what is it? Polo? How do you say Poya. it? Poya. Okay. Poya. <laughs> El Pollo Loco. I'm, I'm from New Jersey. It's hard for me. Yeah. Um, do you say quesadilla? <laughs> I do say quesadilla. Uh, <laughs> no, I know. It's it's quesadilla. There you go. Yes. Um, but he's kind of forced to show him because he says, show me where... He says, like, does he have any other places? And he says, yeah, he's got a warehouse. And that's where Salamanca actually picks up on what's happening because he sees Mike and the security guys scrambling. So -hmm. that's when he starts following Mike. And that's where he's able to trick Ziegler that he's working with Mike and he starts talking to him. Oh, we're building something. We have to put up the south wall. So I think because when Salamanca Eduardo, who has a different name, I can't remember. It's um, Hulo or something like that. He says, call me something different. But um, mm. he says to Gus that th- maybe he kind of floats to him that since they're the protection and Gus is the transportation that maybe they can cut out the boss. And and mm-hmm. that's what Gus is trying to do anyway with the meth lab, right? But Gus picks up on it and, and kind of is like, no, no, no. We would, you know, he kind of, he has a way of saying it differently because Gus, you know, knows how to deal with these situations. And then he quickly turns to saying, oh, okay, oh, no, never, you know. So there's the idea that, even though um, Eduardo knows what's going on and may find out about the meth lab, he may there may be a way that Gus has an in to bringing him into it rather than have to like take him out immediately. Hmm. Uh, so one question I suppose I have is when and how do you think um, Jimmy is going to hook back up with Mike, yeah. Gus, Nacho, that side of things? Because obviously you, we talked about the cell phones and mm-hmm. the criminals, but that's relatively small scale, very small scale compared to uh, what he's about to get wrapped up in. And uh, But I could see a couple of different routes, honestly, for him – connecting with nacho which we know happens yeah um yeah i mean i think that the way that jimmy is or he'll be saul at this point the phone that's like kind of enough for him isn't it because once he starts talking to somebody and because he knows mike already 
and they've had their interactions, which wasn't much in season four at all. I don't know that Mm-mm. they even interacted at all that season. Um, yeah, I mean, not like wife really likes him. <laughs> yeah, so that's true. So I think it would kind of be something where maybe it's a coincidence. Maybe, you know, they're in the same circles and mm. he and Saul being Saul wants to ingratiate himself to the top man. You yeah. know, so I can kind of see it just being in the same way that he wants to, you know, he's running scams, growing his business. He becomes set on kind of using Mike to get mm-hmm. him further into the world. Yeah. And to be clear to anyone listening, um, why we're bringing this up is that obviously in Breaking Bad, the the main clue we have to how some of these things are going to shake out at the end is that, you know, Jimmy says, it was Ignacio, it was Ignacio, tell Eduardo, it was him, you know. <laughs> um, so we have these two names, but it makes me wonder if this means Nacho is dead or if he's alive, because if he's trying to put the blame on him, it could be because of either thing, you know, yeah. to be honest. And that makes it seem like, again, Eduardo is still alive. Um so it's, it, it is somewhat telling, but it leaves it leaves some questions for sure. And also, I think that with both of those characters, there's the option of them kind of being shipped out. Mm, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. They could not be in the yeah, U.S. They exactly. Could, yeah. They could be dealing with things somewhere else. Yep. Nacho could have run away. Um, but Jimmy's still terrified that someone's coming after him, just like he is um, when he's in Omaha. Yeah. And there's also, you know, there's a theme in Breaking Bad of we either kill you, you run away, or we stick you somewhere where we can control you. You know, so I think with Eduardo and Nacho, I mean, I love Nacho. Like you say, this this show has created so many great characters and real, I mean, like Chuck, Kim and Nacho are, they could have their own show. You know? Yes. They're, they're- By the way, I'm a Chuck hater for sure. I know <laughs> that Chuck is right in a lot of ways, but Chuck is is just so unlikable in, in the way that he oh. does so many of those things. And he's and he is cruel sometimes, yeah. Jimmy and me. And so anyways, that's besides the point. Obviously, Chuck isn't a major part of this, though he will be flashbacks potentially referenced. I think so. He's such a part of who Jimmy is is um and what's happened that he's still worth talking about but uh, what's your thought on chuck yeah chuck is i mean what a bastard you know i i know but the thing is such a deep character because his phobia that he develops and his mental illness does give you an entry to having empathy and sympathy for him but he even makes that impossible because of the way he uses it to manipulate people at every mm-hmm. chance he gets. And you see him in the past too. And he was doing some, some poor things yeah. before then. It's not too, that's the thing about this show. And it, it really kind of clues into the filmmaking. And I've heard Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould talk a little bit about um, on one of the podcasts, and it's been said before how kind of like every artist, whether you're you know filmmaker, 
um, painter, musician, you feel a little like a criminal. You know, there's that aspect of the creativity and in order to convince people that what you believe is real, you have to kind of lie. You're creating a lie. You're in effect kind of a con person, you know, and the line between Chuck and Jimmy, I mean, I was one of those people, I'm sure like so many that I was sitting there being like, Chuck, you are worse than him. <laughs> you, your, your manipulations of people, though you stay inside this law that you perceive or really helped people like you helped create so they could take advantage of other people. And that yeah. doesn't make it right. No, I think – and also when I think about it, part of my difference in how I judge both of them because, I mean, Jimmy manipulates people. Chuck manipulates people. Yeah. That We see that Jimmy, as much as they're both doing it somewhat self-righteously, Jimmy feels bad. He feels like a bad person um, with his, I don't know, self-esteem issues. He does feel that way. We don't see that from Chuck. We see him self-righteous, but we don't see a lot of, of him really – Realizing that what he's doing is using people, I mm. think. Yeah, well, oh, man. We, we see, yeah, we see his vulnerability. Right. To be fair, and that's what makes him more likable to us. Um, but it's just not the vulnerability that has to do with his treatment of people. Exactly, exactly. It's it doesn't it does not cause him to become self reflective. You know. Yes. And and um, yeah, Michael McKeon. What did I mean? You just think about the career that that guy has had, you know? Yeah. It's great crazy. comedic actor, great dramatic actor. Wow. Oh. It's just amazing. And um, to bring him on to this show, that's what makes me think, you know, headed into the final couple seasons, if, if people, as we were talking about breaking bad people, I see Gail could have a bigger part this season. Do you see anybody having kind of, a larger part in this season from I, from the cast. I would say I think Gail's a big a, a big one because he was popular in Breaking Bad. Yeah. He's a great actor. They liked him. It's funny, you He's know. So great and he, on billions, and he is a yeah, and he is essential here, yeah. right? Yep. This is about him, what you know his setup for what Walt and Jesse did here. Mm -hmm. And for, so Gail, definitely, I agree with you. Um, I personally would like to see Francesca, you know, his, his uh, receptionist. We, we get yeah. to see uh, a bit of her and breaking bad and then a little more and better call Saul, but she sees a lot of stuff. She has to do a lot for him. So I, I would kind of like to see more of her perspective. Um, and of course I mentioned liking Huel, and I wonder how much, um, Jimmy's gonna keep Huel around. He's obviously, yeah, I think he will. Huel will continue to be in yeah, the background because he's a bodyguard type character, um, as he was in Breaking Bad. So I think um, those are the top three, I suppose, that I out of more side characters that I think could have more prominence. Yeah, and I and I hope from the existing cast, I hope Nacho. Gets yeah, more air yeah. Time this season because yeah, I, I suppose you're right. He is more of a yeah. side. You know, he is. He's never quite ascended. <laughs> nah, and he could. He can because he's involved with Gus and Eduardo. It could bring him maybe more into the Mike Gale Gus kind of thing. You know, where yeah. He maybe somehow 
becomes more involved with them. Perhaps Eduardo even becomes more involved with the finishing of the construction because they, that's the thing is they still have to finish that place. They sent everybody home. Yeah. <laughs> right. So is Gail going to bring people in? Where are they going to get the crew that finishes this lab off? You know, mm-hmm. not only bringing in all the huge, you know, the huge vats and equipment and all that, but literally finishing the structure because as we left it, they had still knock. I don't want to, I mean, it's not so specific, but I remember they like knocked down that pole and they still had to pour the footing for <laughs> it. There was like still a lot of work. Mike had said to them because of this setback, they had been there eight months and they knew they were only halfway through. Yeah, God. So it's possible that the next season they're either, I'm not sure if we jump forward, but Mm. if we don't, it could be a lot of the further construction of this. And are they going to be trying to hide it from Eduardo or something? But, you know, they don't normally play those games like that. It'd be deeper. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. How do you think Nacho, like, He's betraying the Salamancas, right? Um, and so if he's betraying Eduardo with Jimmy, I'm wondering in what respect. There's just some missing pieces that we still yeah. have. But I wonder how much this betrayal, this double crossing has to do with Gus stuff. Because obviously Nacho is you know, doing stuff for Gus already. Yep. So that's um, that maybe that's what brings it all together, you know, mm-hmm. where maybe we can have um, because another part of this show is thinking of, when we were talking earlier about the fast, the flash forward, I'll bar, borrow a lost phrase, the flash forward of Gene. There's also the fact that the show is very segmented between Jimmy and Mike and Are we going to get to a point where we have one solid narrative that involves everybody? Yeah, yes. You know, like even I I would like to see that. I feel like we should see that even, but I don't know about everybody. You know, I don't know how much, how, you know, which characters we think everybody includes, like Howard. (laughs) Imagine if Howard and Nacho hung out for an episode. That'd be awesome. (laughs) It would be fantastic. (laughs) Wait, Howard, Huell, and Nacho all hanging out (laughs) together. (laughs) Oh man, that'd be great. Um, Oh, by the way, another, I just want to name real quick, another side character that I, I love. He's so minor is price. You know, the guy from, uh, Mark Proch from the office price was the one who had that loud, loud red, like car. And he just was all tricked out. Oh yes. Yeah. Selling pills. Yeah. That's right. I remember that dude. I just just have to mention him. He was was a highlight of the whole show for me. I love him in the office, but he was a perfect example too, to me of that color theory. He's just just displaying all like just so prominently that he is a criminal with reds all over his stuff. Oh, why don't you talk a little bit about that? Cause, um, when I used to, when I first heard you talking about breaking bad, um, you talked to, or better call Saul, I should say you to, why don't you talk a little bit about color theory and, and like kind of how you see the episodes like that? 
Yeah. Well, with Breaking Bad, it was a lot more complex where blue represented meth. And so it was a color wheel where the opposite color to each color, you know, was the antithesis, the antithesis to it. Um, so there was there were a lot more differences and complexity there. And I don't want to get into that, but suffice to say it is not the same uh, color theory as breaking bad. Um, Gilligan and Gould have, have referred to it as their fire and ice theory. And it's one that anyone who watches media can probably think of. It's pretty obvious. Red is bad criminals. Blue is good law. And so you can see that just all over the show. It'll be so extreme as to see like a shot where Kim is displayed and she's dressed in all blue and the wall behind her is blue and you cut to Jimmy and the wall behind him is red and he's got a red tie. And you can just see, you know, this conflict between them. Whereas other times you see, for example, Jimmy's car, it's yellow with a red door showing that he's got one foot into this life of crime so yellow is the one that's less clear with fire and ice i personally tend to think that it represents a cowardice a certain neutrality um man what else there was one other thing that i felt strongly that it represented uh I, I can't think of it right now, but decision um, maybe or yeah, you know, so, stuff, you know, whatever you would associate yellow with, yeah. I suppose. But um, so you see certain certain things like Nacho is a great example because he's very conflicted between w what he's doing. So you'll often see him in like a dark red shirt. You can just barely tell it is red, and then. In another scene, he'll change and he'll be in a blue color because he is, you know, he's not he's not lawful and he's not good, but he's interacting with someone who is definitively bad. And so now he's in comparison to them in the blue, for example, um, whereas green, obviously, you could associate with money. That one's pretty obvious. And the rest are um, still being worked out, really, but some are pretty clear, like pinks. You know, those types of colors you see, um, you know, like Mike's uh, granddaughter dressed in that kind of thing. That's awesome. Yeah, they really – and this is in the show. I don't – I think, you know, like you said, they've spoken about it. Yeah, there's goes, no like I'm reading into yeah, it. It's exactly. definitively the case. And once you are it's once it's pointed out, it's impossible not to see it and for it not to influence how you think things are going to go. Like if you see a G a scene with Jimmy and Kim start and Jimmy is in blue, well you're like this uh, Jimmy's actually going to be pretty decent here, <laughs> which is interesting. Yeah, it's a well, I mean it just goes to show and that's something that we'll be talking about throughout the season, the deepness of the production here. And as we earlier mentioned, how this team has been working together for so long and how it gives them the confidence to follow through with things like that. We're at the same time also being able to pick up and create things on the set. Like they talk about it all the time in the podcast, how these some of these sequences are really organic. 
you know, that mm-hmm. they, they write it and they know they're going to create something with the camera work to express with, even without dialogue, which they do so often. That's a, something that this show does a lot, which is communicate without dialogue instead of using exposition um, to talk about emotion or even plot points, they show don't tell. And that yes. is something that I absolutely love because people who have heard me podcast before and talk about shows is I, I just, I hate half stepping in film, in television. Like if you start a pan and you cut it off and jump to a close up, I just want to turn the TV off. Like you've got to complete it. If you start mm-hmm. a zoom and they just complete everything, if they start a sequence of camera, they complete it. And it not only speaks to the visual elements of completion, but the emotional and character levels as well, you know, and it's just, man, they play with everything, the perspectives, um, just silence too. Uh, Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean the famous thing of Mike taking the car apart, that was like one of the best scenes in television history. It was so good. I loved it. And it was like a guy taking a car apart. You know, I mean, it was just, they have so much confidence. And I, there's so many times during this show where I'll watch a sequence and I just have to rewind and watch it again because I can't, I have to kind of, it just like, I became one with it or something. You know what I mean? Like I I don't even, I feel like I have to really pay more attention, but yet I was completely paying attention. I don't know if I describe myself properly, but it like, it just overwhelms you. And you also in appreciation, um, just the little things that they do. Like I was talking about that split screen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's one part where in the, uh, in the final episode when Ziegler escapes and they all Mike and the security guys all start inside the warehouse. And then Mike sends one of the security guards out and he looks down, we see Mike and then we follow a little bit of point of view. He walks out onto the top of the warehouse. He finds this stuff. Oh, the doors open. Then he looks down and there's Mike, right? Like Mike had walked out. Um, and they had gone different paths, but just a little simple thing like that is so brilliant. And it also shows that Mike is always ahead of everybody, you know, but he kind of, this time somebody got him and it was because his kind of, his heart was in with what Ziegler was saying. He wanted to let him go and go see his wife, you know, um, it's just so brilliant the way they blend, like with the colors, it, 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 it not only is apparent on the screen and gives you a feeling, but then when you further analyze it, there's so much depth to it. It's just, it's amazing. Yes. I love it. We're going to have a great time. I, th- I think we've reached the end of the pod. What do you think? Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah. I'm very excited. We've got the episodes coming out Sunday and Monday. Yep, Sunday and Monday and we're going to we just talked about it. We're going to what are we going to record uh Tuesday night? 
Yes. I think. Or Monday night, maybe even Monday night. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Depends on how excited <laughs> we are. <laughs> I really, um, I want to thank you too, live here on the pod for doing this with me. Um, I, th- I'm really, I think you are fantastic. I've enjoyed history of Westeros for so long and, uh, I want to thank you for coming and doing it. And I'm just, we're going to have a great season. Yeah, no, thanks for inviting me on. Um, better call Saul has consistently been either my number one or my number two show every year that it's been on. So yeah, I just can't wait to cover it. And I really didn't have a venue to cover it. We, I did cover, um, as it happened, season three. Um, but we just couldn't keep going after that, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you got the opportunity now. We're here to knock it out. We're going to have fun. We appreciate everyone downloading. We appreciate the subscribing. Leave us some reviews. Check out DVRpodcast.com. Check out HistoryofWesteros.com. We'll be back with you next week. And hey, feel free to send us an email. We love feedback. We love to hear from you and your perspective. Until then... Peace out.